Right. Well, before we begin tonight, we're going to just pause for questions and answers. And we know, I believe we do have some questions on the table. So let's go right to questions and answers. Go right ahead. I agree, I, you know, I'm clear on, on the fact where we, when we say tongues are not for today, because if you cannot, if you cannot, uh, you know, uh, if you cannot uh, interpret the tongues in the church, you know, I, I'm clear on that. If you can't interpret it, why, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to someone else to understand, mm -hmm. it edifies, you know, it doesn't edify the, the spirit, right? Correct. Okay, that there. But, um, I just, believe me, it's all mm -hmm. questions because I want to know. Okay. And mm -hmm. uh, like right here on, when you told us to study the, uh, in Corinthians mm -hmm. uh, 14. Yes. 14. Mm -hmm. Okay. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Okay. And we come from uh, Corinthians 14, 14, and mm -hmm. we go over to Corinthians 14, Start with one. Follow the ways of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gifts of prophecies. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one others uh, understands him. He utters mysteries. Now this is a, the question. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, when the person is speaking in tongues, because we do have people that believe they are talking in tongues, and this says where God can only understand, mm -hmm. is that all right for them? If that makes them happy, that they they, they believe they're talking in tongues to God, and uh, that, because it says here the mysteries mm -hmm. you know, that they will be talking and and they other other and mm -hmm. it's mysteries and only God can understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. If it fits them, it's okay with them. Mm -hmm. But to bring it into the church and start the uttering, you know, the tongue, tongue talking, it would not edify us. But it's okay for them. It's no problem. Well, I think we got to go back to your part of your first question. Okay. Uh, was you made a statement that if tongues is interpreted, then it's good for edification. And you said that when you initially started, and then my mind went to understand that the tongues is not even a gift today that is available. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can cause anybody to speak in tongues. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Right. So if a person speaks in tongues, they do so because the Holy Spirit has given them that ability. Right. He has given them the utterance or the ability to speak. That's the only reason anybody could ever speak in tongues. But the Holy Spirit is no longer giving anybody the ability to speak in tongues. Nobody has spoken in tongues since August of 70 AD. It's no longer a spiritual gift available in the church. So, if you think about that, when you say, now, now your question is, is it okay for a person to just go home and speak in tongues? How can they do that? They can't speak in tongues because tongues is no longer available. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Well, tongues have ceased. Why have tongues ceased? That's the question. Why do I say that? 
Why? Anybody remember what we went over as to why tongues cease? Is it my opinion? Okay, what, 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 what was it? Yeah, see, so, see, now this, when Paul wrote these words, tongues had not ceased. How do we know? Because he even says toward the end of the chapter, don't forbid the speaking in tongues. Not only that, he says, if you're going to speak, say again? He said, he, he was do all of the speaking in tongues. Right, he was saying, I know you want to speak in tongues. And I wish you guys had the gift, all of you, because I know that's what you want. But you know what I would rather have? Rather have you prophesy, because then the person's going to understand. But see, what happened then is not what's going on in the church today. See, tongues is not a legitimate spiritual gift today. It was a temporary gift. It has ceased long ago. But people are trying to perpetuate that gift. And they want to keep it alive. But you know what? You can't keep it alive because God the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the ability to speak in tongues. Now, why would the Holy Spirit give somebody the ability to speak in tongues when what tongues were for already came to pass? See, It has to go back to the reason God gave tongues. Why, what was the reason He gave tongues? To evangelize the world? To warn the Jews. It was a sign for the Jews. There it is. There it is. To warn the Jews of what? Impending judgment. Impending judgment. It was coming. In fact, what does it say in 1 Corinthians 14.21? I want you to read it for me. In the law it is written, mm -hmm. through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners I will speak to this people. But even then they will not listen to me. Okay, so they're not going to listen. That's what tongues are for. Wherefore, the next verse says, Wherefore, because of that, tongues are a sign. Not to those who believe, but to those who do not believe. Who's not, in this case, who does not believe? Jews. Jews. It is to this people. And even though God warns them through the gift of tongues, what does that verse say? They're still not going to listen. This is what it said, right? <laughs> through men of strange tongues and the foreigners... Lips where I speak to this people. But even then, even though I do this, they will not listen to me, saith the Lord. If they're not going to listen, then they're going to get the destruction that God decreed. Now, tongues was to warn them of that destruction, as we read in Isaiah 28, where that verse is found. Then, that destruction happened. So, why does God need to continue to give the warning? If he already destroyed him, there, there would be no useful purpose for it. It wouldn't even make logical sense. It would be like having this, you, you're riding down the road, right? And uh, they're working on the bridge, okay? So the, the sign says, warning, bridge out. Do not proceed. Okay. So what is that to let you know? Man, the bridge is out. I better not go anymore. But what if you said, I don't care about that sign. <laughs> I'm just going to keep right on going. What's going to happen to you? You're going to be, you're going to have, you're going to, a car's going to fall into the, into the ravine, right? So now, what if the bridge is fixed? 
I'm just saying, this just may not apply completely. But what if the bridge is fixed now? Do we still need that sign that says, warning, bridge out? Why not? Because the bridge is fixed. <laughs> See, now think about what you're saying. Because the bridge is fixed, we don't need the sign anymore to warn people that the bridge may be out and, it, and you may go into destruction. Now, there's a lot of people who don't care that that sign was there initially and they fell right across into the water. Fell right in. Because it says, and God knew this. He said, well, I'm going to warn them. I'm going to give them a sign. They're not going to listen. So what happened? They went right across. So now, there is no... God. And, uh, let's just imagine that God fixed the road. We don't need that sign. I can't imagine why we would need that sign. Do we want that sign there as a memorial? Do we want that? What, what? Even if it was a memorial, it wouldn't be a functional anymore. We have monuments all over the place. Cannons out. They mean nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why would see? And again, the only we only way a person can have any gift, and we're not just talking about the gift of tongues. All the gifts come from God, the Holy Spirit. They are not our energy, our motivation. Our, God is the one who provides us with the ability to perform whatever gift it is that we have including the gift of tongues. But if, if we know what tongues is for, to warn of Israel that they have rejected their Messiah and they're getting ready to receive the most severest judgment that ever happened in the history of Israel, and then they don't listen to the sign, the warning, and they get that serious judgment, that severe judgment. Now, do we still need the warning? We still need to warn Israel of an impending destruction. No, we don't. Does that make sense to you? No. Now tell me if it doesn't, because we, we need to work it out. Oh, I'm following you. I followed you all the way up until, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what, what you talked about when Thomas and they came to Paul. Paul said, I had lost that. Right, so you weren't thinking in terms of that, but see, and that's, that's going to drive us in our understanding of tongues. Just like it drives us in our understanding of spiritual gifts. Why do we... See, why do we believe that spiritual gifts, you know, um, are, or how do we determine their use? We determine it from their purpose. What, why did God give spiritual gifts in the first place? Now, if you just start thinking about spiritual gifts and say, hmm, that's a nice gift. Let's see how it can be used today. Oh, we could use it this way. See, you, you are outside of the Word of God. Because now you've designed that spiritual gift for your purposes. But God has designed the spiritual gifts for His purposes and for the common good. We have to understand them that way. So it's important as we go forward to always focus on the Word. Right? Paul put it in the Word and said that. Through men of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And yet for all this they will not listen to me, saith the Lord. How can that fit into most people's modern interpretation? How can it fit? It can't. It can't fit at all. because And we have to always think in terms of the Word. So people are going to come up with all kinds of things, and even if they sound logical to you, what you got to do is always focus on well, what is logical to God. What does He think? And, and always focus your attention on God's thinking. And then you will always be making, you won't be deceived if you're always focused on the Word. Yeah. See, children, on the other hand, it says, are tossed to and fro 
by every wind of doctrine. So whatever sounds good, I'm going over this way. Oh, what he said over there sounds good, I'm going to go over this way. See, They're tossed to and fro. Where's the stability? They have none because they don't know the truth. They haven't studied the Word in order to establish and be rooted and grounded in the Word. That's why they can be blown around by false teaching. So you, so you, you want to make sure that you ground. And that's why I'm, what I'm giving you is grounding. See, so some of the things that uh, I've said about tongues, people remember when I started out this whole thing, I said it is not about the conclusion that I come to. That's, that's not important. Now people are going to rush to judgment. They're going to say, what is your conclusion? What do you think about tongues? And they're going to want to know whether or not I agree with them. That's all they want to know. But you know what the real issue is? How did I arrive at the conclusion? Not what my conclusion is. How did I get to that conclusion? Because if I got to it, and I've twisted Scripture to arrive at a conclusion, then I'm not honest. I'm not being faithful with the Word of God. I'm, I'm not a faithful expositor of the Word. But if I'm following the Scripture and I say, yes, this is the conclusion I'm forced to, and this is the conclusion I've come to. You may not agree, but then we've got to take our Scriptures and begin to take apart our reasoning and see, well, okay, well, we're, what are you depending on to say what you're saying? And let, me sh- let me show you what I'm depending on to say what I'm saying. So, you <clears throat> so in that whole thing, nobody has spoken in tongues since 70 A.D. So, whatever people are doing in churches, it is not of God. He's not sanctioning that. God the Holy Spirit is not motivating anybody to speak in tongues. Why? Because Israel is already destroyed. That's what tongues was for. Now, maybe there's some other use for tongues. Maybe there's another purpose. I just don't find one in the Scripture. I don't find God extending tongues to another purpose. So, I, w- I have to go with what it says. Now, I'm open to say, well, okay, and... You know, ever since I wrote that paper on tongues, I've put it out there. I put it on the internet. I put it everywhere. And I've solicited feedback to say, well, tell me, what about this is wrong? Now, I know you are on the other side of this. Let's say I know a person believes they speak in tongues. I be- they believe tongues are in- for today. So I put the paper out there to say, hey, tell me, what about tongues? What did I miss here? What did I twist or take out of context. And I want to know. I'm asking, you know, not to argue, but to find out what's the basis of your objection. So when you talk to people, you want to reason with them. And not from a logical standpoint, from a biblical standpoint. Okay? So it doesn't matter about interpretation. It doesn't... None of, that's out the window. That's only when tongues were legit. That's only when tongues were, were, were in. Right now, they're out. They have ceased. And we demonstrated from 1 Corinthians 13 why that is not talking about eternity. So, very good question. So, let's move on then. Let's talk about... Uh, this. Well, we might as well just do a summary uh, and, and probably wrap this up. We don't want to cut it off. The summary is we dealt with spiritual gifts. So this will be the sixth lesson on this subject. And we want to just kind of close it off and go to the baptism of the Spirit the next time. So, 
we want to summarize spiritual gifts. We talked initially about the purpose for spiritual gifts. And the, the spiritual gifts, God gave them for a reason. He didn't just give them for people to um, you know, impress one another you know, with their spiritual powers. <laughs> it's like a psychic, right? People go to a psychic. Why do they do that? Because they think that that psychic can tell them something supernatural. That's exciting, isn't it? Right? That's the same feeling people get when they are in church and they hear somebody who they think is prophesying or speaking in tongues or exercising some miraculous healing or sign or whatever. They think, wow, this is a spiritual thing. Wow. You know what? That's not the purpose for spiritual gifts. That was never the purpose for spiritual gifts. And that's what we covered when we did like lessons one and two. That's where we were. And we dealt with that. And why did God give these spiritual gifts in the first place? Why does He speak? We talked about the communication gifts. He was silent for 400 years. Why? Because He'd already said everything He needed to say. For every generation that comes along, does He tell them over and over and over the same thing? What did He do? Well, well first of all, what He did is He wrote it in a book. Right? And now that we have it in the book, does he have to tell me? Do I need God to come and tell me what he did with Moses? No. I can read it here, right? It can be taught to me. See, so what I'm saying is, is that God doesn't need to repeat himself over and over to every single generation. The next generation comes up, they didn't hear anything from God. But guess what? God has left his word. His word stands written. And he holds them accountable to it. Right? In the New Testament, Jesus held them accountable. He says, what? You don't know the Word of God? What? You err not knowing the Scriptures. Why did he say that? Because the word, it was written. And what did he, the rich man and Lazarus, remember? What did the rich man say? Send Lazarus back. i got ten brothers. I don't want them coming to this place. And what, what was the answer to him? They have... Moses and the prophets. If they don't listen to them, then even if someone came from the dead, it wouldn't matter. So when God speaks and He, he re- gets His Word recorded, that's good enough for every generation. So now, we have to know that that's got to be God's purpose. When He gives these gifts, it's just not for, for general information. You know, he doesn't. He's not telling tricks. You know, oh, uh, uh, like the psychics may do. You know, they they just want to tell you something exciting. You know, I never heard any of them say, "Well, you're going to die tomorrow." <laughs> what did they say? Oh, I see good future for you. Good things are going to happen in your life. But you know, what are they really saying? They really, uh, they really have your attention because you think you're getting something supernatural. But God gives spiritual gifts for His purposes so that He can accomplish His purposes in the earth. So we talked about that for two lessons, I think. (coughs) Then we went on to describe all the spiritual gifts in context. We noted that God had to give more signs, wonders, miracles, and you know, so that because He had new information. What new information did He have? Jesus came into the world. Right? John the Baptist, Jesus, and then the apostles had to teach the mystery doctrine, which was new, never before heard in the Old Testament. God had more information to disseminate. So what did He do? More apostles and prophets. 
with and the apostles were sign gifts. You know, the works of the apostle. We read all about the works of an apostle and, and how that demonstrated that this person was from God. Now, you couldn't deny that. See, it's one thing where, where you know, I'm gonna, I was thinking about this scripture. It's one thing where I, I can tell you something wise and witty and, and all, you know, I'm all smart and, and you guys are impressed with wisdom. You know, but that's one thing. But for me to depend and stand on the Word of God is another I want to show you the difference. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we went through the scripture, but I want to show you a a point here. 1 Corinthians 2, this is verse 1. When I came to you, brothers, I'll let people get to it. It's that important where we need to actually read it. First Corinthians two one says, "When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom." See, that's what the Corinthians wanted. That's what they were used to. People, great orators. You know what? Like we go and fill a football stadium and watch a game. They would fill a stadium that size to watch people debate. They loved wisdom. They loved philosophy. And, and they crave that. So Paul says, you know what? When I came to you, I didn't come that way. I didn't come that way. As I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul focused them on what was important. Right there. Christ and Him crucified. Look at this in verse 3. I came to you in weakness and fear. Guess what? They are all those great archers, strong. Voices... Paul was stumbling and, and stuttering and in meekness and fear. Notice, would he be a good preacher today? No, because most preachers, they want to shout it out, you know. They get this, whole, this lion's voice and they roar and, you know. Paul was not like that at all. Paul was probably the most spiritually mature believer. He says, I labored more than all the disciples. More grace was given to me than all of them. Because I, I labored. But not I, but Christ in me. So then he says, I came with meekness and fear and much trembling. Much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. You know what? That is what people want today. They want wise and persuasive words. They listen to a, pe- a person speaking to them. Well, he, he, he can't preach. He can't preach. That person... <laughs> Why? Because they don't have a voice. right? We hear a little child screaming in Halloween. You're going to be a preacher one day. That's what you're going to be. That's what we say, right? Well, not I, but I've heard people say that. And so what are they trying to say? They're trying to say that there's a certain cast, a mold for what a preacher is. That's not true. Now, Paul certainly didn't meet that. But with here's what he came with. With a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Now, the things... I don't care what Paul looked like. I don't care what he sounded like. But Paul came with signs, wonders, and miracles. And they didn't have anything to say other than, that man is from God. There's no doubt. I don't care about these other people. That man is from God. That's what Paul was... That's what it boils down to. So, look at verse 5. So that your faith might not rest 
on men's wisdom. Don't you want that? You don't want to be depending on man's wisdom. You want to, to rest your faith on something solid. Something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt is real. Not just because somebody's wise, somebody's eloquent, somebody can, can uh, put words together in, in a special way and thrill people. That's not important. But, but that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Don't you want it to rest on that? Now see, one thing you knew for sure. You knew that when Paul did those signs, wonders, miracles, you knew for sure that that man was speaking for God. It was just like Jesus. When Jesus spoke, you, know, people were, you might not like what he said, but guess what? You knew that that man did miracles and had supernatural power that no man ever had. No man had that. And people, even if you didn't like him, you couldn't deny it. So, so what, what you have to see here is that when you believe... So that is supposed to persuade you to put your trust in what that person is saying. You're not supposed to be walking around with Paul impressed with him. You know, he's not important. It's the message. All those signs, wonders, and miracles are to get you focused on the message. That's why he says so that your faith, your, your confidence, your dependence not, might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. See, so God used signs, wonders, and miracles to establish his word. That's what he did. So how do we know that the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints is real? How do we know? Because it was established through signs, wonders, miracles, and various gifts of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 2, 3, and 4. How do we know that God, freed, that he, he is the God of Israel, when He freed Israel from Pharaoh's grasp? Because He did it with such power. Signs, wonders, miracles. He pulled those people out of Egypt. And who could have done that but God? Egypt was one of the most powerful nations in the earth. How could slaves get free? They didn't have any army. God did it. And the whole world knew about it. God talked about that for the whole Old Testament. He kept talking about that. You remember how I freed those people from Egypt? You remember that? And that's what He did. He freed those people with His mighty hand. He didn't have to keep demonstrating that power over and over to every generation. But He established something in those apostles. Those apostles came and they had a message. That's what it was about. It wasn't about them. It was about the message that they bore. And that message is established through these signs. When those, those people there... They knew it was from God. Now, we have to turn the corner. We have to turn the corner. Because what do we have? What do we have? Now, if I don't depend on the Word, if I walk around telling you what I think, what I feel, what seems right to me, how, how, it, how I was raised, guess what? I am depending on my wisdom. Right? That's what I'm depending on. But when I go back and I depend on the very word that they established, then I have that sure foundation that they stood on. And they told people, you know what, I didn't come to you with that. I came to you with this. That's why you know that what you have is true. So I don't do signs, wonders, and miracles. I don't have to do that. You know why? Because I already have this. But it, <laughs> I pay attention to this. That's what we want to do. Focus on the word. Don't think about... Now, I know every church is saying the same thing. We're the Bible. We've got to read the Bible. So, 
you have to you have to see for yourself. Be a Berean and see if what they're saying is according to the truth. You have to judge for yourself. Now I'll help you out with that. I'll do that as best I can. But you're still going to have to, in the privacy of your your soul, go home, look at these things, and evaluate them. So, that's a good scripture to, to let us know where power. What is true power? Is true power somebody screaming and hollering? No. True power is in God's Word. The message of His Word. That's important to note. So we talked about... Um, the spiritual gifts and why God gave them in the church. What was the purpose? He did it to establish this new information. Where? How about the church? Who knew? Who knew how the church should function? The church is made up of Jews and Gentiles. There could be no more diverse group than that. Jews and Gentiles together in one body? How do they function? How does that work? Well, God had to give these gifts because the church would have self-destructed. It tried to many times. Many times. There were problems. Racial prejudice in the church. Well, you, you got, that, that's no big deal, right? Well, there's racial prejudice going on in the early church. And God gave these gifts to get that church on track. To deliver the new information. Signs, wonders, miracles, prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, right? faith. All these gifts were given in 1 Corinthians 12 to establish the church. Some gifts are still available today. Others are temporary in nature. Why? Because once God established it, does He still need... What about prophecy? What about God telling the future? Well, prophecy is a foundational gift. God gave prophet the, the church, it says in Ephesians 2.20, is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. That's the church. The foundation is prophets and apostles. We wouldn't expect prophets and apostles to be throughout the building. They founded it. They're in the basement, right? That's what everything rests upon. That's why it says, earnestly contend for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. So we want to make sure that you know we follow along with God's plan. And what is His plan? His plan is now that we grow up. That we grow up in Him, in Christ. And how do we do that? By taking in the word from the pastor teacher. He supplies all that every joint supplies. He will supply all that you need so that you will grow up in Him. And that you will reach the fullness and stature of Christ. That's what it's all about. And, that's why, and so it's not about focusing on temporary spiritual gifts. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, we went through that, and we saw that um, tongues would cease. He said there were some gifts that were temporary. 1 Corinthians 13.8. It says, love never fails. Never fails. So the Corinthians were occupied with things that failed. Things that were come to an end, coming to an end. Why be occupied with the temporary when you have something that is better and permanent? So Paul says, you know what? Love never fails. But whether they, where there are prophecies, they shall cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there are, is knowledge, that's the gift of knowledge, it will pass away. It will. And that's what, what Paul was saying. This is what happened. It did pass away. Now, when did tongues cease? August of 70 A.D. When what they were warning about finally came to pass. 
When did prophecy and knowledge cease? When the fullness has come. What's the fullness? Or the complete has come. If they were temporary and they were looking toward the complete, well, the complete came and superseded that which is temporary. We can read it like this. 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. That's the gift of knowledge and prophecy. But, we, but, but, but it says... Um, but when the perfection comes, well, that if it, we're talking about prophecy and knowledge being in part, the perfection would be the fullness of those things. Then the imperfect, look, look at what it calls prophecy and knowledge. Imperfect. right? The imperfect disappears. It don't need it anymore. When the perfection or the completed has come. So he gave these analogies. We went over this thing. And then we did 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which was key, a key verse. Is. The complete is the completed canon of Scripture. Why do I say it's the completed canon of Scripture? Because what does prophecy and knowledge contribute to? What is it? What is it to give? The revelation of God. God has new revelation to give, right? Well, if if God has now given us that revelation and He's given it to us in writing, do we still need the temporary, imperfect gifts of prophecy and knowledge? No, we have the completed canon of scripture. So, prophecy and knowledge cease with the completion and circulation of the canon of scripture. Once people had the word, then God no longer needed to give these gifts. Because people could read, as it says in 1 Corinthians, to say, oh, well, what about clean and unclean meats? What about meat offered to idols? What about circumcision? What about the law? What about all the... And questions go on and on that people had and were fighting about. Guess what? We can appeal to the word. How do we know this is true? It was established through signs, wonders, miracles, and various gifts of the Holy Spirit. We know it's true. God demonstrated it that it's true. So, then, we got to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. How do we know? Now, here's a question commentaries have. Lots of people have. How do we know? It says these things would cease. But how do we know when they have ceased? How do we know that maybe they cease when we get to heaven? How about that? That's what most people say. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 deals with that. Underline it. That's the, that's the scripture that deals with it for sure. How do we know? Let's read it. And now these three remain. Remain? What do you mean remain? As opposed to things which do not remain. Some things will remain. Some things will not. Well, we know love never fails, right? It never fails. As opposed to what? Things that do fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease prophecy. You know, knowledge, whatever. But these things remain. Remain when? In heaven? Is, it, is that what he's talking about? Let's see. What things are he talking about? Faith, hope, and love. Those are the three, three things that remain. Well, faith. Well, do we need... What about faith? Do we, once, once we get to heaven, we don't need faith. We will have, we will be face to face with God. We will have all of the knowledge. Our faith will be sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, when you get into eternity, you will see. <laughs> you don't have things not seen in eternity. Okay? You're not depending on things not seen. You see things now. What about hope? Hope. Do we need hope in eternity? No. Romans 8 says, who hopes for what he already has? Right? If we already have heaven, 
What are we hoping about? We already have it. Hope is important now, though, because it, de- it, it develops confidence and motivation in us to go forward in the Christian life. Right? We live and we have a hope that is before us. Right? And, and we keep that hope steadfast and sure. It is an anchor of the soul. An anchor guides the ship and, you know, and, and stabilizes the ship, I should say, in rough waters. So, and then you have faith, hope, and love. Now, love said never fails. So we know. Now, when he's talking these things, we know that he's talking about things in the church age. These things remain in the church age as opposed to things that cease in the church age. See? That's an important scripture. Most people, commentaries, I've not read that in a commentary. But if you see one, well, I'm happy that it's there. But think about what it's saying here and, and relate that. See, because if you look at this in context, what you're going to find is, this is the context. The context is not talking about eternity. It's talking about things that cease now. See, because you got a lot of people who say, yeah, I know you know that scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, but they haven't ceased yet. <laughs> That's how, they, you know, these gifts, right? So you have to continue to show them that 1 Corinthians 13, 8 does actually say, that these things see. So you have answers, see? This is it. So then we went into chapter 14. Some key verses here. Key verses. Follow the way of love, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts? What is that about? You mean I can get any gift I want? All I got to do is desire it? No. Because we read in chapter 12 that not everybody gets any gift they want. You have to get the gift that the Holy Spirit assigns to you. Who gives the gifts? God the Holy Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. As He sees fit. Just as He sees fit. Not as you see fit. Well, you know, if it was like everybody, everybody would have one gift, tongues. That would be the end in the Corinthians. That's why Paul said, is the whole body an eye? Can you imagine an eye rolling around? Is that, does that make any sense? No. He says, what if the whole body were a nose? No. That's, what is he saying? He's saying everybody loves these particular gifts. Everybody wants to be a nose. Everybody wants to be an eye. And, but really, that doesn't make any sense. So when he says, desire the greater gifts, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, he's talking about desire the gifts to be used among you that are greater. See, there are greater and lesser gifts. What are the lesser gifts? Tongues. Interpretation of tongues. Those are lesser in the scale of value. Look, and where do we find that? 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says, let me rate the gifts. Right? He does that and at the end of 12. And, and, you know, some people will say that you must speak in tongues in order to be saved. Read the, at the, toward the end of 1 Corinthians 12. Does, do all, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? You're supposed to say no, no, no. Okay. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. God didn't give everybody the gift of tongues. That, would, that wouldn't have been wise of God the Holy Spirit if He did that. Right? He, he would have just, like it says, uh, he, he would have just uh, um, abrogated all that He just said about the body and how each part is important. So we talked all about, we went into 14, and we dealt with the issue 
The issue that this whole thing revolves around is chapter 14. There it is. And, and we dealt with that verse by verse enough to, we, to where we can see what tongues are for and their uses. We talked about the regulation. If, if, when tongues was legit, if anybody was to speak in tongues, only three people could speak in a congregation. Only three. That was the most. So when you go to a church, and even today, and you hear all these people jumping up, speaking in tongues, wrong. Even when tongues was legit, that was wrong. That was an abuse. So Paul had to regulate it, because that's what they were doing. All out of order. People, nobody interpreting it. It just was confusion. It was wrong. So people, even, even though tongues have ceased, you still have people perpetuating the gift. And it's surprising to me that they're doing the very same thing as far as abusing it that they were doing here. Haven't they read? I mean, yes, it says it right here. That you are, <laughs> it has to be in order. So there must be an interpretation. There must, you know, there were rules. They violate those rules. Uh, it's neither here nor there at this point because tongues is no longer a legitimate spiritual gift. So at the end of this, well, guess what? Another important in part we found that it says um, it even dealt with prophecies and uh, the person who speaks in prophecies or tongues can control what they say. So if God is saying, hey, 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 only two or three people, that means you don't have to burst out in tongues. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. He is the God. He's a God of order. He's not going to give uh, Tamika tongues and Larry tongues and Bill tongues and and this one over here tongues all at the same time. That that's not going to work. So what happens? You have the ability now. You have to control that ability. Oh, Larry, speak up! I got to wait my turn. I got to wait for that interpretation. Now, okay, I can speak. Okay, let me speak. See, that's order. See, and that's the way it was regulated. Today, not so. Not so. Well, you just, all, all you do is look at the scripture and judge it. And so we went on 14 and we dealt with this. And then we went to Isaiah. We, 1 Corinthians 14, 21 and 22 is important in understanding tongues. That's the purpose. Why, why did Paul put that in there? Because he wants you to understand the purpose for which God gave the gift. It's important. Underline that one. Circle it. Because it takes you back to Isaiah chapter 28. We went through that whole chapter and we dealt with what's going on there. Why did Paul send us back there? Why are, what are tongues for? Notice 1 Corinthians 14.20. I'm just picking out key verses. 1 Corinthians 14.20. Brothers, stop thinking like children. Stop thinking like children. What is thinking like children in context? It is the abuse of the gift of tongues. And that's really any spiritual gift beyond what God's purpose for it was. Stop thinking like children. Uh, in regard to evil, be infants. Evil, right? But in your thinking, be adults. Then he tells you how to do that by telling you the true purpose for which God gave the gift. So, we find that God is really somebody who thought about with great wisdom this plan and he put it into operation he uses certain things to uh, to demonstrate his power and who he is in this world to get our attention I always go back to the story of Moses as he was shepherding and he sees this bush that's burning and it just doesn't burn up 
And he just keeps looking at this bush and it just won't burn up. And it, it really gets his attention. He's like, well, you know what? I go past here every day, but you know, I'm going to stop and I'm going to go over there and see what's going on with this bush. God got his attention. And he does that. See, if it's just a normal every day, you know, God doesn't get your attention through that. Because you just think everything's normal. He stops you and he performs a miracle, which is out of the natural order of events. And you say, whoa, wait a minute, something's going on here. Sun's going from west to east, not east to west. Or, or this bush is burning up. So Paul, I mean, uh, Moses goes over to that bush and God meets him there. And that's where God commissioned him to go to Pharaoh. He told him to take off his sandals because the ground he was standing on was holy. It's an interesting story in Exodus. But it's just to say, God gets your attention through these things. And he carries forward his plan. Israel, the church... Look at the miraculous things that God brought in the church. And yet, here we stand today. And we stand on that foundation. We stand on it. It's a glorious foundation that we have. So, spiritual gifts have their place. And we want to be sure, because the ministries of the Spirit are distorted today. People are saying anything. You can jump up and down and spin around doing a break dance and say it was God the Holy Spirit. Somebody will think that that is true. See, we need to define what the Spirit can do. Now, I'm not saying limit the Spirit. I'm saying take what He's given us and allow that to be a guide for our thinking as we approach spiritual gifts. That's what we want. And that's all we've done. We've taken the Scriptures and we've shown where the Bible says what tongues are, what spiritual gifts are, what apostles are, etc. And we've dealt with that. So um, next time we want to finish the ministries of the Spirit. And with the last one is the baptism of the Spirit. And believe it or not, the baptism of the Spirit is the most important gift that God gives. Now, it's a ministry. It's not necessarily a gift. It's what God has done for every one of us as we come into the church. So we, we want to talk about that. And boy, the implications and the depth of the baptism of the Spirit, it, it is very deep. So it's basic, but boy, does it go deep. So we, we're going to talk about that more next week. We're going to cover the baptism of the Spirit. And it may take us a lesson or two, but it is the most important doctrine. It distinguishes you from all other ages of, of believers. You have the baptism of the Spirit. You realize the baptism of the Spirit never happened for any Old Testament believer. Daniel, Moses, Abraham, Enoch, all those believers, none of them ever had the baptism of the Spirit. But you have it. And we're going to talk about why. What's the significance of this ministry of the Holy Spirit? What did He do for us? So, I know we're beyond. Let's close. And next time we'll pick it up with the baptism of the Spirit. And thank you guys for the questions. Ask them. Ask them. We need that. You know why? Because the questions you have, probably many people stand behind you. They, they have the same question. The same thing is on their heart. They just didn't ask. They were afraid to ask. So, ask those questions. Let's stand. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for the time we've had 
and as we've discussed such a controversial subject, we pray that we have not offended anyone, but that we spoke the truth in love. And Lord, we are grateful for your word that has been preserved for us, and that we can depend on it, we can trust it, we can trust our lives to the word. And Lord, that's what your goal is, that we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That we would uh, not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. So Lord, help us to have a healthy respect and reverence for your word. For it is the power that you have given us, and that you have given us the Holy Spirit to activate it, to enlighten us to what is there. And that combination, Father, is so phenomenal, so fantastic in our lives. And we are hearing from you as we submit in humility to the ministry of the Spirit and teaching. So thank you, Father, for those who have come and, and taken their time to think with us about these things. Uh, as I said, these are controversial issues. And we, we are appreciative of the time that we have taken and the, the patience that has been shown. It only means, Father, that there are those who want to know your will and your purpose. So we thank you. We pray that uh, we will continue to be challenged by this in our own homes as we go forward to think about these things and, and bring us next week as we continue. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.